Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Hello. I'm Samantha Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Brianna Wu, executive director of Rebellion Pack and special projects director at Progressive Victory. And I'm here as well with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub. Welcome I can't to wait the show. to share the special project I'm working on today because I think it's going to make national news. Hey. So. <laughs> I love that. So both of you are joining me from hotel rooms, but you also both sound great. So <laughs> I'm excited to, uh, I, I think you are at least, um, take you through the assortment of news that we have for you today. We'll be starting with a brief update and a mea culpa not from me. And then we'll be talking about a large social media platform that is adding games. Yes, YouTube is adding playables for premium subscribers. What's up with that? What are they? Uh, We'll talk about it. Amazon (laughs) has also launched its new AI assistant chatbot, Q. uh, And Apple Replay and Spotify Wrapped are both out. So we'll be discussing those for dessert. Historically, we've compared them. Historically, we found Apple Replay wanting. Will this be the year that changes? I'm excited to find out as a non-Apple Music subscriber. (laughs) Uh, And then on Rocket Booster, our bonus segment for listeners who uh, get an ad-free show and a bonus segment every week, we are going to be discussing the use of stable video diffusion to animate memes, the memes you know and love. Uh, So stay tuned for that at the end of the show. And if you want to find out how to become a subscriber, go to relay.fm slash membership. But let's get right into it because that was a large amount of of toppings, toppings, topics that we've got today. First of all, of course, former Binance CEO Chengpeng Zhao must stay in the U.S. for the time being, says a judge following up on our topic last week where we talked about how Binance and Zhao uh, had admitted to money laundering. Uh, And he, he came here from the UAE, I believe. And Christina, what did you say to me? I said that there was there's no way that he would have agreed to come over here um, without an agreement that he could go back home and that um, that that was just not that there was no way they were going to get him to agree to that. And uh, uh, I was wrong. Um, Simone, Simone was right. Simone was like, no, they're definitely going to try to keep him here. And turns out that the the people in in, in uh, the good state of Washington, where this uh, federal case is happening, have indeed um, not decided whether or not he will be allowed to leave. I think he'd signed some sort of like $280 million bail. It was some, that, that might be wrong, but it was some excessive amount of bail, which was still not enough for them to allow him to basically leave because yes, they consider him so a flight he, risk. He's agreed to a $170 million bond as part of a bail agreement, and the court is considering whether he should remain uh, through February, which is when his sentencing is. Um, and we also, m- more importantly than my being like, huh, I, I th- really think that they wouldn't let him leave. Um, we also know a little more about the amount of time that he could potentially face, which is a maximum prison sentence of 18 months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Under, for, and for, uh, part of his agreement dollars. was that he, for $5 billion, oh, so when billion. we do eventually, yeah, yeah. Uh, when we do eventually rank, I guess, the jail sentences of all our favorite fraudsters. Um, this one surprised me, honestly. Um, anyway, he's agreed not to appeal any sentence up to that length. So mm-hmm. I, I guess they're, yeah, but it can't be more than that because that's the max. So No, it can't be more than that. And um, and, and I, I mean, the thing is, 
this is why you make deals with the SEC because they're a toothless organization um, who will give you really, really, really low amounts of prison time if it goes to the DOJ. Like this is why you you, you deal with the freaking feds. Um, this is the school mm-hmm. of Michael Milken, and these are lessons that Elizabeth Holmes and Sam Bankman-Fried did not learn, but that clearly CZ has. Um, as depressing as it is, <laughs> when you look at the amount of money uh, that that he is, uh, you know, accused or, or even admitted to, actually, yeah. he admitted to money laundering. He admitted to it. So, um, but mea culpa from me, uh, he did actually agree to come over here. Um, I, I guess that the maximum he can spend is 18 months. I guess that's not the worst thing, but uh, I do absolutely understand why they consider him a flight risk because, <laughs> I mean, I, if I were him, I wouldn't yeah. come back. Well, here we go. Thank you for coming to another uh, 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 expert uh, uh, session from Christine about how to avoid uh, uh, jail time. Thank you. For future, future international jailbird, Christina Warren. All right, let's move on to talking about YouTube. YouTube is the latest social media platform to expand into games, or as oh, they are God. calling them, playables. Uh, premium subscribers have access to a set of mini games that are playable on desktop or mobile These 37 games live inside YouTube without needing to be installed or downloaded. Uh, And they're titles that you might recognize, among others. Uh, There's Angry Birds Showdown, Brain Out, Daily Solitaire, The Daily Crossword, um, which makes YouTube one of several non-gaming, originally non-gaming platforms to dabble in being a gaming platform. The most successful, or at least the most determined up to this point, has been Netflix, uh, which has Mm -hmm. been releasing not only Choose Your Own Adventure, like, versions of their shows but also since 2021 honest to god mini games um on netflix playable there and of course meta also continues to create a place on for 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 games on facebook which is a platform that has a massive massive history with gaming so it's maybe a little separate from this original yeah, Facebook. Well, I, I I have thoughts on this, but um, Amazon yeah. and TikTok have also made forays into gaming, uh, but both have recently shed games developers in big big rounds of layoffs. Um, so it's it's not quite clear what will be happening at least at least with TikTok. I think Amazon is pretty firmly entrenched in wanting to have a foothold in gaming. Uh, as when it comes to YouTube, the playables will be av- available until March twenty eighth, twenty twenty four sort of a little experiment for premium subscribers. I guess one of my questions is why? But uh, I would love to know just initially what you two think about this. Brianna, if you, do you have thoughts about, I guess, the existence of... It's exactly of, yeah. the same thing, Simone. It's like, I remember when Amazon bought Lumberyard and everyone in the game industry was like, what? They they bought the 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 engine is completely failing mm. they're gonna turn it into games what <laughs> and then yeah they brought out an mmo that no one played and everybody was like what <laughs> what are they doing <laughs> that doesn't make sense well i'm glad uh all my friends got paid over there to in these giant contracts to do uh games that uh don't seem to have any cultural impact and mm. now it's like then Netflix did the same thing. Everyone in the game industry is like, what? <laughs> You're giving us all this money to go over here? All right. Well, let's uh, let's go. We'll give it our, our best. And now Netflix is doing it. And it's just like, 
at some point you have to wonder if it's like monkeys running these companies. I don't, I don't understand it. The, what you said about the the games having low cultural impact or no cultural impact, I really strikes me here. Just because, like, not to discredit the work that people are actually like putting into these games, but the fact remains that they live on these platforms like essentially invisible. Angry Birds obviously being like an exception to that, but it didn't come from you know from youtube it was like an original mobile breakout game like that was yeah, its cultural it was, it impact was, and now it's just kind absolutely. of faded into the fabric of the space but yeah like there there's no visibility or marketing or seemingly any exposure for these the games that live on these platforms which is what makes me go kind of huh because it i there may be a value for users, which I think we'll talk about, but there's not really a cultural impact or a a widespread recognition in the way that I that that like games can have nowadays and are getting like throughout the rest of our industry on other platforms. Uh, Christina, sorry, you didn't get a chance to talk about what you feel about this whole the 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 topic. Well, no, I mean it's weird, right? So like, I think that. I would actually argue, I think Netflix, well, okay, first I would argue two things. First, I think that this entire thing, when we talk about cultural impact, if we're talking about this era of of what they're trying to do, they're trying to recreate like 2009, 2008, 2009 to 2011, I guess, era Facebook games, right? Um, because mm-hmm. Facebook games really were a big cultural impact, right? Like 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 Farmville was a big deal. And, and that was, you know, and, and you had a, lo- a number of other games too, where you would have iOS games that also people could play on Facebook. And, and that, um, with the death of Flash, doesn't really exist anymore. T- to your point, like, it's weird seeing these companies try to get into this space because I don't think that they're um, that good at it. Netflix, I think, has maybe had, at least in my experience, is a little bit better because they're taking actual iOS games and then just taking the in-app purchases mm-hmm. out of it and letting those become available yeah. Um, so that's at least a decent user experience, but I don't know why anybody would play a crossword on, you know, youtube.com. I just don't get that. Right. Like, yeah. Like, like that, that's what I don't understand. Yeah. Like there are a million places you can do that. Yeah. It's, I, I, so I was thinking about this also, cause I was trying to imagine myself as trying to put myself in the shoes of like someone who's doing this. And I also came back to like both the Facebook example where like, there, they would still like to be the Ur platform, the Uber platform that has everything on it. And for a while, it almost felt like that, where it was like your social network and there was games there and there was like all these kinds of things to do on the platform. But that also reminded me of much older websites like Neopets that yeah. like and like those types, that era of site that was a social network that and, and a place to hang out that had just like a mini game corner and these would just be there. Um, and there were odd little websites that had mini games on them. Um, this obviously being like a much more corporatized version of that. And and when I was picturing that, I I I could start to understand like the use case of, I don't know, be browsing YouTube on my phone. Um, and then maybe depending on maybe I maybe I'm on the subway, depending on the connectivity, I can't watch a video. Maybe I can play the daily crossword or something. Um, the Verge article that I read said that YouTube is kind of seeing it as a way to basically a a cherry on the Sunday for people who are subscribing to premium 
as a if they're on the fence, maybe they'll stay longer because there are games. I That's don't. A lie. I really don't. No. I don't get that. I don't get no. that at all. No. No, no, you yeah. pay for premium because you pay to get rid of ads. That's it. Period. End of story. Yeah. They keep raising the price and we keep paying it because it's worth it. Right? They're also killing mm-hmm. ad blockers, which mm-hmm. is a whole other discussion. But no, nobody is going to be enticed to pay for YouTube premium because of their crappy little games. They're just not. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, I mean, versions of these are free on the app store, which not to like say, oh, they, they should be free, blah, blah, blah. But like. They are out there. <laughs> there right. are games that people can have without paying for YouTube premium. It's not going to be the, I don't think it's going to be the thing that pushes someone over the fence. Um, I don't know, Brie, any final thoughts about uh, YouTube playables? I, you know, there's been a trend in the game industry for a really long time. I think if you look at the 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 entire output of the game industry, Something that happened around 2008 is the money men in video games started having more and more of a say as far as the game design that we were coming out with, right? This is when you started seeing multiplayer crammed into everything, and it, it really exacerbated some of the worst tendencies of the industry, right, to develop bigger and bigger and bigger games that kind of chase the trends of the market. This is why Resident Evil 6 was so bad. Um, and if you look at this, you know, I think anyone that actually works in the game industry, or I think you could pull any Polygon reporter and go, hey, should uh, Netflix to kind of uh, uh, turn this around? Should they, uh, YouTube, should they uh, add on this component? Yeah. I think everybody would be like, no, God, no. It's no, just that's such an awful a, idea. <laughs> making games is such a huge amount of work. Mm-hmm. And like e- even for the ones that are are based on existing like models of game like a, a a crossword or a trivia game like we all know what that is what that looks like it's still a huge amount of work to maintain it to build it in the first place to QA yep. it like i i i it's just i, I feel like they're taking on more <laughs> <laughs> then they're willing to point. commit to in the long run. Exactly. I agree. Exactly. It, it's There's just a, a mismanagement where you have the people at the top that are trying to make these decisions aren't gamers and don't understand the the market intuitively. I'm not even sure they understand casual gamers, who seems like kind of who they're going after here. Mm-hmm. So I think this is going to fail. It's going to have low impact. They're going to staff up a bunch of people uh, from the game industry that will jump in, uh, have way too much experience, but need a paycheck because we're experiencing like historic levels of layoffs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they'll get paid and uh, that's what's going to happen. All right. This episode of Rocket is brought to you by Hello. Have you ever tried a buckwheat pillow? They're totally different than the fluffy, soft pillows most of us are used to. It supports your head and neck how you want it to, unlike traditional, squishy, soft pillows which collapse under the weight of your head, as mine did last night. Soft pillows allow your neck to fall into a downward bend, adding uncomfortable pressure to muscles, nerves, and discs, which are all the things that are in there that keep my head up and prevent me from having that, like, that tech neck where I look like uh, some kind of chicken. Well, (laughs) hello, as I said, making buckwheat pillows that support your head and neck. I have heard that one is on the way to all of us. 
Um, and to me specifically, it is a great source of excitement because I was actually, I literally was lying in bed last night, like f- fluffing up repeatedly my pillow, which I got probably enough years ago now that I should replace it and going, huh, this is really retaining no sort of body at all. And I did something weird to my neck the other week. It like, is still very sore when I tilt it to the right. And my friend, when I was at Trivia on Monday, uh, grabbed my shoulder in a moment of sort of like victor victorious joy and squeezed and then went, oh, oh no. <laughs> so anyway, not that the pillow can fix all of these problems, but I do think that my neck deserves to be supported. <laughs> I, I'm a huge fan of buckwheat pillows. Um, yeah, like I'm at a hotel right now. My neck is killing me this morning because I don't have my buckwheat pillow from home, right? I got to sleep on their crappy pillows. So That's nuts. I think I think it's it's the best. Uh, you know, Wirecutter uh, endorses uh, buckwheat pillows for this reason. Uh, it always takes their top spot. Uh, at least as I'm remembering it, but that's how I kind of got turned on to the trend. I think they're great, and it's what I use exclusively. Well, listeners, Hello stays cool and dry while most pillows absorb and retain the body heat and moisture, making your pillow feel warm and humid, which is icky. Buckwheat tends to breathe better. No more flipping to the cool side of the pillow. If you use two pillows or fold your pillow in in an attempt to get proper support, that is a sign that your pillow is not firm or thick enough. Hello support allows you to keep your head and neck where you want them at the top of your body. You can even add or remove the fill from the zippered opening so that you can adjust the pillow's thickness to your liking. People have been sleeping on buckwheat pillows for centuries, uh, and they're popular in Japan to this day. You might see them on the pillow menu at fancy hotels. Maybe you should look into that, Brie. Maybe they have a pillow menu at your hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not staying at fancy enough hotels. That's the problem. Uh, Buckwheat is a more natural way to sleep, better than a sack of plucked bird feathers or a petroleum-based foam. And Hello is made in the USA with quality construction and materials. The certified organic cotton case is cut and sewn for durability, and the buckwheat is grown and milled in the United States. That's sick. People love this pillow, which you'll see in their customer reviews. Rocket listeners can sleep on it for 60 nights. And if Hello isn't for you, just ship it back. They'll give you a refund. Go to hellopillow.com slash rocket. That is H-U-L-L-O-P-I-L-L-O-W.com slash rocket. And if you try more than one pillow, you get a discount of up to $20 per pillow depending on the size. Get fast, free shipping on every order, and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. And also, why not give the gift of better sleep? Hello is a unique gift for your family and friends, and they'll appreciate every night. HelloPillow.com slash rocket to try it for 60 days. Our thanks to Hello for their support of Rocket and Relay FM. All right, on to the next topic. Amazon has launched its AI chatbot, Amazon Q. Uh, Q- okay. <laughs> Does anyone Sorry, have any giggles to get out? <laughs> it's a bad name. It's an objectively bad name. That's it. We'll talk more about it. Sorry, go on. No, don't worry about it. It's actually good. Q is an enterprise assistant that uses the company's data to answer questions about that company, taking the place of an FAQ or an internal wiki. Uh, According to The Verge, employees can query Amazon Q on the company's latest guidelines for logo usage or understand another engineer's code to maintain an app. 
<laughs> it is currently available to Amazon Connect customers, and in an interview with The Verge after the keynote where he was announced, AWS Applications VP Dilip Kumar told them uh, that on Amazon Connect, Q is deployed in real time and essentially listens in on customer calls to get information like account details, etc. It gives the contact center agent the relevant answers to questions without the agent needing to find it themselves. Q usage, something I'm going to call Q-sage, starts at $40 per agent per month, uh, but is free until March 1st. Um, so, okay. That, 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 that's my that's my summary. You have a hearty side. Oh, yeah. Sorry, yeah, I was just going to say, I'm actually here at the Amazon event. So, anyway, oh. go on, Brie. That's why I'm actually no, in Las Vegas. Um, I, I mean, is Amazon run by monkeys? Like, you just think someone on the team would know the news to go like, hey, uh, are there any kind of downsides, our giant conglomerate that people have huge privacy concerns over, like, mal, like misusing our massive amount of power in the world? Uh, any, any issues with this name? Maybe we should talk about that. Like, I just can't believe no one, uh, like, thought to 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 check that it's it's crazy what are they doing yeah i had the same exact thing like when i first saw the news um so i was i was working the booth i didn't actually get to watch the keynote and then i saw the news come through and i went wait no they they, they didn't name it that they didn't name it that uh and they did um i, I should note so i'm at uh this is happening at the amazon reinvent conference uh, in las vegas where there are 65,000 people here for this. And this is a paid conference. And so there are a lot of like corporate Amazon mega fans. Um, but I, I don't know. Yeah. The, the, the name's not great. Um, it's, it's very clearly, and I, again, I'll disclose here. I, I, I work for a, a company, um, owned by Microsoft. Microsoft has a very similar product called Copilot, uh, not to be confused with the, the, um, company that I work for GitHub, who also, also has a product called GitHub Copilot. But, um, this is uh get the name is weird. The name is like not great. And it's it's definitely one of those things where you're like, you you could have chosen anything else and I get what you're trying to do. Like it's like a Star Trek thing or whatever. But I think I was that, gonna ask if that was what it was supposed yeah. to be. Yeah. And, and and I understand why you're doing that, but maybe don't be so cute when there are like other things that Q stands for that like have become yeah. more prominent. It's just a bad environment for that. Um, I, I mean, just super quickly, Simone. Yeah. I mean, this is not, it's, it's not a joke. Like, there was a study that came out that uh, showing that uh, QAnon supporters uh, were literally directly responsible for more than a third of the people that participated in the January 6th insurrection, right? Mm -hmm. This is something that did real lasting damage to our democracy. And, you know, even yesterday, Elon Musk is mounting uh, Pizzagate nonsense on on Twitter, right? Of so, I mean, is. I wouldn't call a product like Proud Boys and laugh about it. This this isn't funny. It's it's serious, and I just it it, it just blows my mind. I, I, yeah, I have to be like, aware of this, right? Yeah, this yeah. is the community that specializes in like finding quote huge air quotes here hidden meanings that don't exist in. In things, and I'm sure that I, I I don't even want to know what the chatter is about Amazon naming this naming this queue. I'm sure that it is vibrant. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen anything. I, I still can't use Twitter, so I have no I have no concept um, on on that at all. But I mean, getting to the the technology itself, 
I don't know how good or how bad it is. Amazon uh, does not have their own um, model. They they leverage a few different um, uh, uh, large language models uh, for for what they're doing. Um, it's probably fairly similar to you know what OpenAI is doing and and what you know Microsoft uh, and, and other companies are, are are using as a result. But I, I think it's interesting. I think that the call center uh, example that they gave to the Verge that does make sense to use a technology like this. What doesn't make sense to me, I'm just going to be, I'm going to be a complete hater here, is is they're talking about, oh, well, people storing their source code and people accessing their design guidelines and people accessing their docs. I don't know any company who uses Amazon for those things. Uh, they use Amazon to deploy all of their web compute or, you know, their, their websites and, and, and do a lot of their compute. And they do that better than anybody else on the planet. They have more than double the lead of their nearest competitor, which is um, mm-hmm. Azure. Uh, but I don't know anybody who actually is storing their documents on Amazon's system. Um, I don't know anybody who's actively using them for source c- control stuff. So what are you paying them, you know, money a month for uh, t- to get, you know, real-time feedback and whatnot? Like the chat center thing, fine. You might have actual customers there. But for the rest of the stuff, I'm like, okay, but it's great. You can you can query Amazon about all of your company's information yeah, except your company doesn't actually use Amazon to store any, any of that information. So it's not going to give them anything. Yeah, and there were huge, there, there were concerns that I read about in the initial announcement of this from, of course, companies in finance and healthcare, which who are very understandably cagey about like having their data used to train a model in any way or like just right. like, having it accessible to Amazon, question mark. Um yeah, I mean, I like the idea of of being able to to query a chatbot for this because, like, I'm always it's sometimes hard to find things on our wiki or oh, like totally. I don't know who to bother in Slack. Like, I it, the concept is good. Obviously, Microsoft, as you said, is doing this. GitHub, um, actually, I don't know if GitHub's Copilot is yeah, also are. a yeah. Okay, great. But yeah, it, having it be tied to AWS, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. I I don't doubt their ability to make things happen, though, just because of the weight of Amazon. Right. Well, I mean, I would say this. I don't have the regulatory or, or the, the compliance concerns. I think that banks healthcare are always very concerned about that separation, but at the same time, they store data there. And so it's one of those things, if your customer data isn't there, then that's not going to be part of it. Um, yeah. You're talking about your wikis, your docs, other things. My point is companies who actively use AWS do not store their documents there. They use you know, Microsoft um, th- uh, 365, they use Google um, wor- Workplace. They don't use Amazon, whatever those things are called. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they use Confluence of all things, which, which is an Atlassian product. They don't use Amazon. So it, it's yeah. this weird thing for me where they're showing off how cool this is, and, and they're not wrong. Um, a lot of the companies are getting into this because it makes sense, um, especially when you can do locally trained models on just your data if, if you, you know, ensure that you're not sending it back to anyone else, which most of these companies um, will absolutely do. But even companies like Notion, you know, are doing this sort of thing too with, with AI, um, uh, being able to like have like a, have like a, an AI mode, um, an assistant where you can ask it questions about your, your wiki and things like that. Like this mm-hmm. is not, um, this is going to become a very common thing. And I understand why they're getting into the space. What I don't understand, I guess, is why they're like touting this as this really big thing when, okay, they might have, I mean, they have more than five customers, clearly, but like, I can't think of any big companies who 
use them primarily as like their office provider. I just, I did yeah. not even Amazon uses Amazon as their office provider. They just signed a big deal with Microsoft to bring uh, Microsoft 365 to all their employees. Ah. So even right. Amazon, so like that, that, that's just the weird thing to me. I'm like, even they don't use their office products. So that's yeah. the weird part to me. Like, I think the tech itself is really interesting um, and we'll see more of it, but I'm just like, really, this is the the first place you want to go because no one stores their, 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 you know, internal wikis on you. Any final thoughts on Amazon Q? Nope. Good to go. All right. Then let's move on to our fun dessert topic of the week. Spotify Wrapped and Apple Replay are here. We actually, so we had planned to just talk about Apple Replay. And then I woke up this morning and everyone was posting their Spotify Wraps. Mine so is not I, accessible. What? It's, no. It's saying, it's saying we're all mixed up. Refresh this page or try again later. So I can hear about yours, but I can I can only share my Apple Music one because it is not working part for me. of mine. I watched the beginning of mine because I woke up very shortly before we started recording. But in any case, they've done it again. Apple replays. Apple's own Spotify-like recap feature is back. The feature like Spotify wrapped that makes us go, thank you for harvesting my data all year. I love the insights that you've gleaned from it. Uh once again, Apple Replay, though, is not available within the Apple Music app, nor are the slides as attractive to post on social media. However, Apple has included an in-app 2023 replay playlist. Um, highlights of Apple Replay, apparently, and you can uh, confirm this for me, Christina, a fun highlight reel of your favorite songs and artists of the year, how much time you've spent listening to them. And also milestones, such as listening to 1,000 song, different songs over the course of the year, things like that. Um, how have you found Apple Replay this year? Have they improved their performance and engagement based on a Spotify rap success? Yeah, it's better. It's still not as good. It's not even close to as good, uh, but it is It is definitely better. So, for instance, um, it uh, it gives you more data than it did before. Like, last year, I think it basically told me, like, my and actually I can go back to it because the the one good thing about it being a web app, which I'm sorry is is never not gonna be funny to me, that like Spotify can get theirs on the web and, and in the app. And Apple, even though Apple Music is a awful, awful, awful application, <laughs> um, even the, the the team there has realized, oh, it's just easier for us to make a React app and and force people to to sign in otherwise. Um, but like last year it gave me my top playlists and my top songs, but it didn't give me anything like, oh, you've listened to this many you know, minutes um, across all things, or you listen to this many songs or or any of that. Um, mm. so, I, so I didn't know. But this year, it gave me a little bit more analytics. So for instance, um, it told me that I listened to Taylor Swift for um, uh, 1,900 minutes, um, which, uh, which <laughs> honestly, that seems kind of low. I think it's less than last year. So, but but I listened to 13,000 minutes of music altogether on Apple Music. Um, I hit 10,000 in October, which was good to learn. I hit 500 artists played of the year in June, and I hit 1,000 songs in June as well. Oh, that's cool that it does it by month. Yeah. So, well, it just tells you when you hit those milestones. Um, it doesn't go month by month for you, Well, no, I mean, like, it tells you, like, when you hit the— Yeah. I, I think that that's cool because you can kind of gauge— I don't, I don't know, throughout the no, year. No, I agree. Like, like saying, yeah, I hit 500 over the course of a year is less interesting than by June I had hit 500. No, I agree. And it also, like, I think it basically tells you, like, what, at least it implies, like, what, what artists you were listening to then. Um, yeah, for me, my my favorites playlist was my my top played playlist. Um, 
my uh, my top um, artists were uh, Taylor Swift, Boy Genius, Rustin Kelly, Phoebe Bridgers, and Gracie Abrams. Those are my top five. And um, and and honestly, when I like look through the whole thing, like I'm like, yeah, this is this is pretty accurate. The one thing that's annoying is that it only includes the songs that are part of Apple Music. So if you use oh. if you upload to, to from from the cloud um, uh, songs like say. Taylor Swift's You're Losing Me, which up until as we record this was not available on streaming. That song is not included in any of my analytics. That's a problem because I listened to that song for like on one on one occasion, like three hours on a loop. So that would absolutely <laughs> be my top place. Well, I mean, whatever. But like it, it, it's, it's an emotional song and I connected to it very deeply. So like I was having a moment. So like I, that would be my top played song. So it's not an accurate listing if you actually listen to music that's not just part of Apple Music. So that's mm-hmm. that that's the annoying thing to me because it's like Apple Music tries to pretend like it can be all of your music and yet it's very clearly not. Um mm-hmm. so yeah. So my do you want to know the creepiest uh stat that Spotify wrapped has offered yes. me so far? The location that listens the most like me is Davis, California. In Davis, <laughs> California, there are more people who share my musical tastes, such as Purple Kiss, Rina Sawayama, and I think Red Velvet, uh, than other locations. <laughs> wow. <laughs> in, the, uh, in the world or in the U.S.? I, I'm not clear. Um, but basically, I need to go immediately to California uh, because I, I, can, I, can, I think I can find my brethren there, the people who are like me. Who share my terrible? Actually, know what? Those are those are good. Those are good artists. I will say my other artists. My top, uh, my top five songs were absolute rotten hot garbage um, because they come from my playlist of men who are going woe and dia, which is probably my most played playlist of the year. Um, but I have yet to go through the rest of my Spotify. Yeah, wrapped, I'm go- so I'm going through mine now. It was broken on the website, but it says okay. So again, spot. So my number one was was Taylor Swift, just like Apple Music. My number two was Boy Genius. My number three was Phoebe Bridgers. I think that's exactly the same as the um, Funny. yeah the, the as the Apple Music one. So um, no, actually, um, Phoebe was number four for Apple Music. But yeah, that that seems about right. Um, number five was also Gracie Abrams. Number four is different. So that's interesting. It, I listen to these services on different platforms and I have different experience. Like I just have different mental models with them. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Different habits. Now, Brie, I know you have a hard out. Do you want to talk about uh, Apple replay or would you like yeah. to tell us what yeah. you're doing this week? Well, I, I, I will super, I, I will give you a little bit of input on both. Um, you know, I don't think I'm the only married person in America. I, <laughs> I, I think that's true. And I'm looking at my Apple Replay, it's the exact same problem I have as last year, which is Frank is completely polluting my data set. (laughs) So it's like top artist this year on Apple Music, because Frank listens to this all the time through HomePod, is U2, 1,633 minutes. Now, he can't compete with uh, Christina numbers there, but (laughs) Paul Simon... Bruce Springsteen, the Beatles, like you have to get to number five to get to anyone I care about, which is Kylie Minogue. Wow. You know, even then, the the problem here is the model that I use because, um, you know, for every one of my Porsches, uh, I have like an SD card with my favorite songs. 
like in playlists, custom playlists there. So, like, oh, this is, why can't they make it so, uh, like, the HomePod, which is more of a custom thing, is like a separate account or something? Like, it's, it, yeah. it would be such a fun feature, but if you have HomePod, it's just completely useless because everyone is using it. They are, they are not giving you the opportunity to have the data, the granular, yeah. minute data that the rest of us are enjoying. Exactly. Also, I have to say, Christina, you know, I, I used to, like a year ago, people would say things like, is Taylor Swift a cult? You know, I'd be like, oh, that's just sexism. Come on, let her, let her do it. And after, like, that Taylor Swift movie is still playing at the movie theater. Every time mm-hmm. I'm trying to see a horror movie, it's like, like it's bleeding into the theater because the, the music is so loud. And then listening to you, I'm like, maybe this is a cult. Something's I mean, going on here. The theater bleed question has, uh, I've wondered that before. Like, why is that movie specifically so loud? Like, somebody mentioned they might have like a requirement for like decibel level that it needs to be played at or like. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but like people have been talking about it, like bleeding into Killers of the Flower Moon <laughs> yeah. if it's in a, a theater next door. But I've never heard of that happening with another movie. I don't yeah. understand. I don't. I don't either. I mean, to me, that just feels like it's like it's like is, are, the, are the theater employees incompetent? Like just bad because, soundproofing, right? Yeah, it's bad soundproofing or, yeah. and probably like not like turning it down low enough. Also, and and here's going to be my theory. I don't think there are very many people in the theater anymore. Like it, it's mm. made a quarter of a million do- a quarter of a billion dollars at the box office globally, which is astounding. But I don't think anybody's actually seeing the movie in theaters anymore. So if you have an empty theater and then you're playing it, I oh, can see then that it's just louder because it's I, an empty room, right? Which, yeah. which I think is, you know, uh, that. But that, that to me, I'm going to put on theater management. Like, yeah. Yeah, turn, I, turn it down. It's not just the the movie. Like, I, it, it's there's something I I don't understand why she's so. I I just don't understand. And maybe it's just because my musical taste. Like, I'm all in on like rhythm and flow, and like uh, with dance music it is such a, a separate thing. Like, it's a different emotional thing. Like Taylor Swift lyrics are. They're, they're clearly impactful for people like you. For me, like, my God, Kylie Minogue's latest album came out. It's called Tension. The main song in the album is her talking about how much she likes to get effed, just like she did when she was in her 20s, her hey. 30s, her 40s, her 50s. And it's like, girl, I think you're 60 now. Like, uh, more power to you. But, like, this is the only, like, this is the the limit of, uh, like, things you're allowed to explore in dance music, right? <laughs> like, it's a very limited <laughs> we number have of our things theme. you can talk about. Talk about yes. Uh, the answer, Brianna, is blood magic. There Taylor Swift did blood magic. Yes. Okay. Uh, yes. Good to know. Let's talk about what we're doing this week. Brianna, do you want to start? Uh, yeah. Uh, this week I am working. God, I feel like I say this every week on the show, but I, I legitimately cannot talk about some of the stuff um, I'm doing. Uh, uh, I'm doing something really big with. Um, people in D.C., I can say that. Here's something I can uh, talk about publicly. Um, so uh, I I don't think there's any secret that, uh, you know, I'm, I've gotten to be friends with Destiny and a lot of people in the kind of DGG orbit. And one of the things we are collaborating on this year is uh, Destiny's canvassing house. So uh, we're opening up, uh, we're starting with one, uh, but it's going to expand to, it looks like, five houses in various swing states uh, where uh, basically, you know, people that watch streaming content 
uh, are going to be living in these houses and they're going to be running weekend canvassing events uh, regularly, doing uh, deep canvassing. Deep canvassing is different because it is focused on building long-term relationships with people um, uh, and getting them kind of activated, people that kind of typically tune out of politics and, uh, you know, don't feel like they their vote matters. Uh, deep canvassing is about going and building up those relationships over time. The, the problem is the party doesn't tend to do it because it's so much more expensive and it's about, you know, building infrastructure for every cycle as opposed to one cycle. Um, so if you're trying to just immediately win, it makes a lot more sense to do, you know, get out the vote, uh, GOTV, mm. last three months of a campaign. So, yeah, this is something like, I understand Destiny says some spicy stuff, but at the end of the day, is somebody that really, really cares about democracy, and he's working with this on this and putting an investment that is a lot more complicated than just, you know, plugging Tiltify into your stream and raising mm-hmm. a bunch of money for someone else. Like, yeah, you know, he's partnering with us as far as getting uh, partners, data partners, all of that. So um, the the reason I bring all this up is we are, um, we just launched a, um, basically the fundraising for the MVP house. Uh, I'll put a link to that in the show notes, but uh, I would love for y'all to support this. Um, This is going to be, we're going to grow this. And the eventual goal of this is to have um, literally young people in every single swing state in America plugged into uh, a real extensive canvassing network. It's not going to matter if you're a Keffels fan, a Vosh fan, uh, you know, ideally a Hassan fan, if we can get him kind of yeah. plugged into electoralism a little bit. But we want to give you opportunities to get out there and make your voice heard. So I'm really proud about this project I'm doing. Uh, it's a ton of work, and I hope y'all will support it. I think that's really neat because that's like the least sexy, but also one of the most like important and I think unappreciated in terms of impact parts of of electioneering and politics. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, it's I think people think of it as like uh, we don't like go person to person anymore even digitally, but it, people it's, who win it do. is the way to connect. Yeah, people who win do. Um so that's really cool. Yeah, give me that link and I'll pop that right in the show notes. Christina, what are you up to this week? So I'm in Las Vegas right now for AWS um reinvent and um like I said there are 65,000 people here. Um so it's a it's a good crowd. Um and so I, I leave on Friday morning and then I am taking the train to Portland on Saturday to get my laptop. That wait, you're taking the train from Seattle to Portland, right? Yes. Not from Okay, thank God. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Well, well originally I thought my was going to have another week because the Apple store said that it would arrive on December 7th. And I was like, oh, cool. I'll go December 8th. No, they then emailed me yesterday and they were like, yeah, you um, you can have your laptop uh, like now. And I'm like, okay, but oh, I'm not okay. in Portland. And then they, then they were like, well, you have to pick it up by November 30th. And I'm like, no, um, <laughs> you're supposed to hold it for at least a week. Uh, they've now finally agreed to let me to, to hold it in the store until Sunday. I'm rolling my eyes at all of this because, like, that's so a, annoying. It is annoying because, like, I'm genuinely out of town. Like, let's pretend that I lived in the state of Oregon. I'm genuinely out of town. I would not be able to get it, and they're delivering it far earlier than they predicted. And they're not even going to hold it for the amount of time that they say, you know, in, in their own terms, they will. But yeah, so I'm going to. But you know what? I'm also saving like nearly $600 in taxes. So, nice. uh, yay. So, um, I'm, I'm going to Portland on uh, on Saturday 
um, of taking the train in and then um, going to the Apple store and then taking the train back. Funny. I'm yeah. excited to hear your impressions of it. We'll get a little hands-on moment for us yeah. here. That'll be fun. Uh, this week, I'm editing a video uh, that should be going up over the weekend if I get my stuff together about Hemingway and Fishing, which our booster subscribers will recognize <laughs> because I read an early draft of the script uh, for a bonus segment uh, back in, no, at the end of September, actually. Uh, so that got shot and it's actually coming out. Uh, so that's exciting. That's pretty much all I'm working on over on my end. Uh, hey, if you liked this episode of Rocket, please go ahead and give it a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, Because that's a great way to help people find the show, listen to the show, um, and continue uh, our our ever ever rising grind towards world domination. And that's what we like here. Five star reviews only. Don't bother me with those four stars. Certainly don't bother me with those four and a half stars. No. Not in this economy. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. If you are a Booster subscriber, you are about to hear a bonus segment about video memes. Uh, and if you want to learn how you can get access to bonus content every week, as well as an ad-free show every week, go to relay.fm slash membership. Learn how you can directly support your favorite Relay shows, including ours. Thank you so much, everybody. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 